Welcome to Parenting Your Sensitive Child. Parenting a highly sensitive child can feel overwhelming, and all the parenting books in the world can only get you so far if your head and your heart are out of alignment with your child's. I'm your host, Julia McGarry. Let's create a new parenting paradigm. Last week, I took my daughter to the grocery store, and usually she does pretty well when we go shopping, but she was in the middle of a pretty big developmental leap, and it was a challenging trip for me. And I wanted to share this story because I think it's relevant for so many of you out there, okay? So I asked her when we went to the store to stay close to me, which Technically, she did, but she kept walking right in front of the cart and then stopping. Or she'd hold on to the middle of the cart and then move unpredictably, putting her feet at high risk of being run over if I wasn't paying very careful attention. So it took a lot of energy and attention from me to make it through that trip without accidentally running into or running over her. It wasn't until we were walking out to the parking lot that it dawned on me that she was actually doing exactly what I asked her to do. She was staying close to me. It was in a high-energy stop-and-go kind of way, but she was actually doing exactly what I asked her to do. And in that moment, I realized that although I had asked her to stay close, I didn't give her any additional explanation or instructions So it was really up to her to interpret what that meant. So then I stopped. I stopped the cart. I stopped walking and I asked her to try something with me for a minute. I asked her to hold on to the middle of the cart and then look down at her feet and where her feet were in relationship to the wheels of the cart. I pointed out that if she stopped like that and I kept going, I'd run over her feet. And I really didn't want to do that. Then I had her move back and hold on to the steering handle or whatever you call it and look at where her feet were. I told her that if she stood back here, there was no way I could possibly run over her. And then I told her I appreciated her staying close and that next time it would be helpful if she could stay behind the steering bar when she was staying close so that we'd both know she wouldn't get run over. I was talking to a teacher friend about this experience, sharing this story with her, and we were both laughing about how often we as adults assume that our kids understand our instructions. We assume that what we're saying is pretty basic, and because of that, we neglect to give them direct instruction on the things we think they should know. So my friend's example was from the first time she delivered a lesson in an actual classroom. She was teaching seventh graders and she asked them to write something down. And now that sounds simple, but if you've worked with middle school kids before, you can imagine a teacher coming into a classroom and saying, okay, let's write this down she got a lot of blank stares, right? The kids just looked at her, and that's when it clicked. If you want them to write something down, 
you have to first tell them to get out a pen and paper. It's not automatic for seventh graders the way it is for adults who have had years of experience navigating classes and taking notes. Even at age 12, they need it broken down into steps. Now, what does this mean for you as a parent? It means that even if you're parenting older children, there will be times when they need more instruction than you think they do. One of the ways this has shown up recently for some of my clients is with video games and supporting kids in learning to take responsibility for their own time management around gaming. If you have a child who struggles with knowing when to stop gaming, encouraging them to set a timer is a logical first step. You might even have them set multiple timers, one to let them know that they need to find a stopping point in their game and one to remind them that time's actually up. When you put this into practice though, it doesn't always resolve the problem right away because even if they are monitoring how much time they spend playing video games, most kids don't know how to plan their own transitions without explicit guidance. So they might know that they have to leave the house at 2 p.m. and it's 12 o'clock right now. So they set a timer for two hours so they'll be done by two. Technically, they're using that recommendation of setting a timer. They're doing what you suggested that they do, but they haven't thought through the fact that they won't be ready to leave the house the second they stop gaming. They need your help planning for that transition. They need to learn how to identify the steps they'll need to take to actually leave the house. They need to assess how long each of those steps will take and plan their stop time accordingly. Think about all of the times you've given them a buffer of 15, 20 minutes to have a snack, use the bathroom, put their shoes on before you need to leave the house. You have this skill down. They've experienced it, but just because they've experienced it doesn't mean they've internalized it for themselves. If you want them to be successful, you need to be very explicit and teach them these skills. You need to teach them where it's safe to stand in the grocery store. You need to teach them to think through what they need for a day out and pack their own backpack. You need to teach them to plan their own transitions. And just like all middle school teachers and many high school teachers out there know, you need to be explicit and you probably need to do it more than once. Walk into any middle school classroom and you'll hear teachers saying, take out a pen and paper well beyond the first day of school. If you are working on a new skill with your child and it doesn't seem to be working, the first thing you can do is look for evidence that they are actually getting it. If you ask them to stay close to you in the grocery store and they're standing in front of the cart, like my daughter was, Technically, they're doing what you asked. Look for that, acknowledge it, and then look for where they may need more explicit instruction or support. Learning is so often an iterative process. As a facilitator of learning for your child, you're going to be the most impactful when you look first for the signs that they're getting it. 
and then look for what they need to hear next. It's normal for there to be layers upon layers of learning. It's why kindergartners start learning the parts of the flower as petals, stem, leaves, and roots, but then revisit those concepts in more detail as they get older, eventually being able to identify the pistil and the stamen, the stigma and the anthers. Okay, can you tell that we've been learning about plants lately here? Just throwing that out there. Anyway, teachers are always assessing where their students have attained mastery and what kind of support they need to advance their learning. They scaffold their students' learning until it's clear that they can execute the tasks without support. We can do the same for our children. It requires that we pay attention and we're willing to reflect, but it's so worth it. I hope that this is helpful for you as you're helping your children build new skills over the summer. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will talk to you in the next episode. Are you fired up to make change in your family? Ready to change course and stick to it? You're gonna wanna get on my email list. It's like a direct line to my brain sent straight to you every week. It's helped my clients start making changes before they even get on a call with me. Sign up and get any of my free resources, link in the show notes.